Welcome. You're listening to Wedding Venue Business Radio, a podcast for anyone who is thinking about starting or is already a few years deep into their own wedding venue business. Whether your property is on the beach or in the middle of the country or smack dab in the heart of downtown, this show is designed for you. I'm your host, Ami Kurkoni. I'm the author of How to Turn Your Rural Property into a Wedding Venue Business, and I have a new business book called The Fearless Woman's Guide to Starting a Business. I'm a business coach, consultant, former wedding venue owner, and I'm here to help you. So if your dream is to be your own boss by hosting one of the best days a family has in their lives on your property, then you're in the right place. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Uh, This one is going to be about the topic that I think most of you out there have a lot of experience with, especially if you're a solopreneur. And it's actually a pretty common situation that when you're doing a rural wedding venue business or really any wedding venue business that happens to be on your property, inevitably you're sharing this experience with friends and family. Um, It's kind of hard to keep the business separated from home when it's literally taking place at home. And you know what? Families have been doing business together for generations and generations. I mean, we can go back to family farms and the fact that it's common for family units to, you know, come together and and share um, a business of some sort. And people sometimes don't think of their family farm as a business, but you know what? It's putting food on the table. It's helping pay bills. And so it is indeed a business. Now, Unfortunately, when we bring in our friends and family and our spouses into the business and we start to um, blur the the distinctions between the personal relationship and the friendship um, and the family relationship with business making decisions, you can honestly, you can see a lot of problems. Um, you know, some of the problems that we experience when we have all of our closest people with us in this endeavor is, you know, not being able to protect boundaries around private time and private space, um, being upset with somebody because they may be a fantastic partner in life, but you don't really work well together in business. And then so then the incompatibility and the business end of it starts to bleed into your personal life. And then, you know, you could have a, a really great relationship Um, that's actually like on the rocks or really turbulent or, you know, really becomes super challenging. And one of the things that we always have to remember is that when we decide that we're going to do this, we're going to share this great experience of building this uh, home-based, you know, awesome entrepreneurial adventure together with our closest person in our life is, um, and I have, you know, I've experienced this, so wrote about it in my book, talk about it pretty openly, um, you know, it can actually end up undermining that personal relationship if you don't have, again, good boundaries, good communication, and um, and some right framework right from the beginning um, before you get into this endeavor. And you know, some of the things that I've I've coached with and I've talked with people about is they think that their per- their personal relationship is strong enough to handle it and they'll be able to figure it out, but. Business decisions are very different than our personal decisions. You know, there's money on the line. Um, You know, there's other consequences to that. And when we have invested dollars into our business and then we have to make some, you know, some strategies or some choices that actually can create really some feelings of uneasiness, like, you know, if we don't make the right decision, we're going to lose money. Or if we don't make the right decision, we're going to lose our business. You know, those aren't the kinds of choices that we're used to making in our personal relationships and our friendships. 
And so then to work them all in and, and have them be like present 24 seven, seven days a week, it's really hard. Um, I have worked with families and I have, you know, had conversations with them early, 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 early and said, you know, keep in mind that this isn't going to be as easy. It feels really good right now in the beginning while everyone is excited, but there are going to be some choices. And are you willing at some point, if it gets really hard to have to make a, a choice between the business or, you know, a family relationship? And how are you going to do that? And do you know how you're going to talk about some of these challenges? And I have seen family businesses that all start off really well together and then actually end up having to break off. You know, some family members can no longer do it. The the family members um, that feel like they're the ones really running the business start to become resentful of the family members who aren't doing or in, you know, I'll air quote this for the the listeners, you know, pulling their own weight or or, or their own share. Um and so the biggest thing, kind of the big arc here in my introduction is when we're in business purely and solely and we're deciding who we're going to go into business with and, and how we're going to share our time and making decisions based on whether or not this person that we're going to bring in either as a partner or as an employee can contribute positively to us is a different mental game than when we decide that we're going to go into business with our buddy or our friend or our spouse. And we tend to have a lower threshold <laughs> for expectations when there's somebody that we know. We put a lot of weight into, well, I trust them and I know them. And we, we can end up overlooking whether or not people all have the right skills to be able to execute and work together on a business strategy. And then feelings get hurt and, again, resent comes in, and then we end up with perfectly good friendships and family relationships being ruined by a business relationship because at the end of the day, we're talking about a group of people that may not have been qualified to do all of this together, okay? So this episode is to kind of give you some key areas to look at and define before making the decision to work with somebody very close to you. And if you do, how to integrate um, these boundaries, these professional boundaries into the relationship so that you both are able, and I'm, you know, let's say it's a spouse, you're both able to know when to, you know, turn the open light off on your business and get back to your personal relationship. And it's not that easy. There isn't just an on-off switch between business and personal. I talk about that a lot, just in general. But to be able to make sure that you are at least on the same page on a lot of different areas that can actually end up undermining that relationship, okay? So first of all, one of the first things that you have to do is you have to define what everybody's role is up front. You know, what expertise are each of you bringing to the table? And, and what kinds of tasks and responsibilities will fall under your list and their list? And again, this also could be multiple people here. And the reason why you need to do this is because you can't, you can't really run a business by having every decision ran through everybody equally, wait for everybody's input to come in, and, and then have to make it a vote every single time. Now, transparency is important in all levels of a business. So informing people of, you know, what you're doing, how you're doing it, and why you're choosing to make certain decisions is important. It allows everybody to feel like they are included because not feeling like you're included is one of the biggest reasons people get their feelings hurt. Um, but you have to be clear about who gets to make what decisions and choices and whether or not there are any thresholds to that. And what I mean by a threshold is, you know, sometimes it's very common to say, 
you know, here's your budget. Here's what we decide everybody's budget is. And as long as your decision doesn't go over a certain dollar amount, no one's going to question it or you're not going to need to run it through. But then not only is each business decision a dollar amount, but then there's a total budget in which they're able to spend. And I've seen that one you know, go backwards. Like, well, I, I can make any decision I want up to $2,000. Yeah, but that also doesn't mean you get to make 100 $2,000 decisions in the course of a year because we don't have enough money for that, okay? So when you have these roles defined, it allows for people to be autonomous in what they're doing. It, it, it let, lets you very early on figure out whose expertise and who's the, you know, who's going to be good in, in certain positions, whether it's the maintenance, it's the operations, it's the business development, the sales, the bookkeeping, um, you know, keeping the website up, doesn't matter. But get all that down early um, and make sure that everybody's on the same page, you know, with that and communicating to that. Now, that goes hand in hand with also being able to, you know, honor everybody's strengths, and respecting those strengths, you know, sometimes people get their feelings hurt that they're not like a master in all areas. And you know what? Very few people are, you know, some of us have some real, real good skill sets and we want to be able to make sure that we're contributing to the business in those areas. But in that same conversation, you also have to decide, like, is that a strength that this company needs, that this business actually needs? Um, sometimes the strengths are not really in alignment with what you're working on at that time, you know, um, or it could be a strength that you're going to need much later. But you also don't want to put on responsibilities onto somebody where maybe the marketing isn't their strength, right? Just because it's not your strength doesn't mean you need to go make it somebody else's strength. So the early conversation about bringing this and doing this business is, what do I feel like my positive strengths are? What do people tell me I'm really good at? And have everybody who's going to be involved make this list and then have this open discussion then about, okay, well, this is what the business needs and this is where we're at. And so how can we fill in these different areas and do some of us need to push ourselves maybe into a, a zone where we're not as comfortable right now, but we know that at some point we're going to want to be able to hire somebody down the road. And so this is a very open conversation with everybody. So that's setting up. What are we all going to do? What are we in charge of? What are we really good at? And then lining that all out so that it's very clear. Okay. Now, if you get to a place where you have to have decisions that need to be made, and let's think about this as if it's just two of you in this business together, right? A 50-50. Well, we all know about 50-50s is that there tends to be ties, right? And then what happens when there's a tie? Well, what happens is that we each keep trying to push the other person and convince them that we are the, you know, we're in the right or it's our decision is the right decision to make. And that's where we see a lot of tension and conflict actually show up, especially between spouses that are running businesses together. Now, it's it's totally possible and makes a lot of sense that two, you know, two spouses will come into a business and it'll be a 50-50 partnership. Um, but you also have to decide, is that truly going to be the case for this business? Is this business actually going to be uh, a place where one of you is more in charge because maybe it's really your passion and your spouse is coming in to help with some of it, but they, this isn't really their business to run? 
Um, they're just obviously involved because it's going to be on your property and they've, they're sharing risk as well as reward with you. But ultimately there is a decision up front that it's not a 50 50 on this, but that maybe you have the ability to override the other person. And the other person has that awareness and understanding that they've got to let that happen. And maybe again, you set some boundaries and some thresholds. Now, if you're not comfortable with that setup, you really want this to be an equal partnership, then you have to work into your system and your process early. What happens when we don't agree? And maybe what you do is you decide that you'll have somebody else come in from the outside that can help you with those types of decisions and and coach you through it. And, you know, not to sound self-serving, but that's actually, you know, a great role for a person like me as a, as a business co- consultant and coach is to be able to work with a couple and go, okay, where are we rubbing up and bumping up against each other and can't make decisions? And let's talk about it and for somebody else to facilitate that discussion in other areas, that person's called the mediator, right? So you have a, me- a professional mediator that comes in. But it doesn't have to be a pro. It doesn't have to be somebody that you actually hire. Maybe you have a trusted friend or family member that you tap into, that you can bring in, that can sit down with you, and that you both mutually agree that you're going to um, listen to them. You're going to let them help you come to a decision. And then you also should write out and have an understanding of what if we just can't agree on this and um, and what are we going to do about that and sometimes there may be decisions where um, you know let's talk about improvements to the, the the project or to the property sorry and you both can't decide the next direction that you need to take and you feel pretty strongly about that then you have to ask yourself is if we decide to not do this for now is it really going to truly, and be honest, is it really going to hurt our business to not make this decision? You have to decide whether or not it's worth pushing and injuring your personal relationship for the business. And there are a lot of decisions that you may run into that may in the moment feel like you absolutely have to do them or the business is going to suffer. But the reality is, is that there's probably a bunch of those that you could just say, listen, we really can't come to a decision at this point. This decision isn't going to hurt us or, you know, um, in any way in the business. And we can afford to put a pin in it and pause on it for six months to a year and then come back around and make the decision later. And so again, being able to have that open kind of conversation with your partner and your friends and your family, whoever you're working with on that kind of stuff can actually help salvage the relationship or not put a lot of undue pressure on your personal relationships if you're able to talk about that and have that as your resolution when you both can't come to a decision. Now, on this topic here, we are going to feel fear when we make our decisions and choices. You know, some of them are going to feel really clear to us, like this is definitely the way to go. And sometimes the reasons we don't like to say yes to something is because it actually kind of scares us if we say yes. You know, we're, we're worried that there's not enough money. We're worried that we're going to put the time and energy into it and we're not going to get the results on it. And that's common, you know. And sometimes we have to decide to put faith and trust into another person and, and kind of overlook some of our fears. And I talk about this with businesses as well as my kids. You know, our fear isn't our best advisor. And yet we actually do rely on it quite a bit. And it talks us into doing some silly things and it talks us out of doing some great things. And so you have to also recognize, like, I see the facts. I see where this is a good decision. My gut is really making me feel afraid of making this decision. And you have to sometimes make a decision to go forward anyways so that your fear learns that, oh, 
I was afraid of this, even though the evidence told me I shouldn't have been. And now that we're actually doing in it, yeah, this stuff doesn't scare me anymore. And so there is some uncomfortable areas with decision-making. And sometimes as a partner, we have to put our faith that our partner wants the same thing that we want to be successful, to be happy, to not bankrupt everybody. And that maybe we don't see it and maybe we don't feel as confident as they do, but we can go ahead and support the decision and go along with it. And then as the partner that's on the other side of that decision where we're going forward with your choice, think about rip cords, right? Like what happens if it does start to go backwards? You know, we all have to be able to make um, or have the ability to change our minds. And so we have to build that also into our decision-making process. Sometimes we might decide to go forward with some portion of it and then be able to dial back or know when it's not actually working so that everybody stays comfortable, you know, in the moves forward. So again, having some good conversations with you about the decision-making process, but also those are the kinds of things that working it out with a, you know, a neutral third party, the unemotional person sitting in the room with you can be really, really important. And um, even if you have like a family group, you know, at any point in time, if it feels like the votes, you know, um, aren't good enough that you can't just say, well, listen, the majority voted this way and I feel good about it. If you ever um, get to a point of indecision, have a plan for how you're going to work yourself through through that indecision. Um, And again, having a third party can be really helpful. Now, when you have family and you start hiring employees or your friends, you have to also decide, you know, and be very conscious of, you know, not showing favoritism. You know, this is something that happens. It's called nepotism, right? It's the uh, giving all the special favors to the employees that happen to be friends and family members. And then your other employees that are, you know, people that you've hired off the street or from the community feel like they're taking on the brunt. They're not getting the same treatment. And if you want to have everybody up and quit on you, by all means, keep, you know, throwing bones to your friends and family, but, you know, keeping everybody else to, to pick up the slack. And so always be mindful that when you're doing that and you're bringing in friends and family, that you're not showing special favors to your best friend or your spouse over somebody else. Because when you start to breed in those ill will and ill feelings about how, you know, whether or not it feels fair working there, that everybody belongs at equal levels, you know, in the organization, um, in your, you know, your wedding venue business, um, it will start to go you know, backwards on you really, really pretty quickly. And so uh, an upfront conversation with anybody you hire, especially if you're bringing in, let's say, you know, your, your friend's son to come and work for you, be aware that you have a conversation with everybody that nobody gets special treatment, even though this is a family business. And that's a pretty common mentality to take. However, some people do abuse it. And that's why I'm telling you, you can't do that. Um, Otherwise you're going to have difficulties staffing and you're going to have difficulties getting people to be reliable and to show up and to put a lot of their heart and soul into, you know, this thing that you care about. So when you are, um, you know, working through your, you know, your family business plan, one of the big things I think maybe you're hearing me say is that it's important to have a communication strategy. You know, how are you going to talk with everybody about hard subjects and getting everybody up on the same page? And who's going to lead those discussions? Um, sometimes some of us have this tendency to be very responsive. You know, we're not going to bring up the hard topics um, until it, we're boiling over with resentment and then we want to say something about it. Now, personally, I'm not that person, but I know, do know from working with some people in business that that's how they naturally are. They 
love their business, but they're not really good at driving a communication or um, a hard conversation. And so being able to go back to skills, right? Who in your group is going to be really good at keeping communication open and guiding conversations is the sooner you know how to do that, the better. And I will be honest with you, you know, if your partner in you don't really have good communication skills in general, <laughs> um, going into business is just going to actually add more conflict and, 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 you know, I, you know, unfortunately actually even make some of the, the communication habits that you have that are not very good, even worse. And so it's always, you know, you got to kind of ask yourself, like, if I'm going to go into business with this person, spouse, friend, family, whatever it is, how do we communicate now? Is it healthy? Are we able to have disputes and disagreements and not have it turn into hurt feelings? Are we able to, um, you know, honor each other and validate each other's opinions and be able to actually have good back and forth communications? Or does it get personal? You know, does it resort to name calling, stonewalling, um, ignoring, uh, you know, do people just do what they want anyways? If any of those things are already in the relationship, they're not good to bring into the business. Otherwise, your business is really, really going to suffer. So, um, the last thing I want to talk about is, you know, people talk about, you know, keeping it business and, and family out, you know, that there's some sort of a threshold. And I, I, I consult a lot about this, not just in wedding venues, but just in business in general. We like to imagine that there is this, you know, this moat between our family life and our business life and, um, and that they, the two things don't cross over. And, you know, the, the truth is, is that we're humans and they are going to cross over. And one of the things that I really despise is when somebody says, Hey, listen, you know, what I'm about to tell you isn't personal. It's just business. And then they say something mean spirited, <laughs> you know, they say something that's almost too direct, you know, and, uh, and lacks any kind of candor or compassion or empathy for this other person. And they, and they couch it as well. It's a business thing that I'm talking about. You know, that's complete BS. You know, we have to be mindful about how we talk and treat everybody, whether they're our spouse, our friend, our family, or an employee that we found and hired to come work for us or a vendor that we're working with us. You know, professionalism and being a good human are honestly one and the same. And so the things that you do have to be mindful of is if you're having a family conflict because of something that happened outside of the business, you know, dirty dishes, you know, coming home late, whatever that is, it is important if you have outside people that work for you or vendors or the couples that you're working with that that external stuff doesn't get into the way of your business. However, you know, like I said, we are humans. And so sometimes you will be upset about something that's happening in your personal life. And unfortunately, it may end up leaking. I call it leaking into um, like a bag that has a hole in it um, into the business life. But be mindful and aware that, that, that you have to find ways to be able to um, hold space for those kinds of things and not uh, let them become your motivation for treating other people poorly because you're feeling poorly. Um, also, you know, again, when we're providing feedback, got to think about that there's a human that's receiving all of that. And so um, if you're having a bad day, uh, you know, be mindful of, you know, how you're going to speak to somebody and maybe giving yourself a timeout or some time to be able to um, think a little bit more clearly. Um, and so then also that comes into, it's really easy to have the business again, go 24 seven, you know, and not have a, a time and space for your relationship and your friendship and your family, um, you know, your family time. 
And I know I do talk about it in the book, and I've said this before, that you know responsiveness can be the difference between getting a lot of bookings and not because some people don't respond and they aren't timely with their communications with the couples. But that doesn't mean that it's actually healthy to do it all the time and to not be able to take a break. Um, you can get yourself into this very bad habit of feeling like if you don't answer, then something's going to suffer. And so having a time of the day in which it is definitely no business, you know, um, supper time, um, maybe you have a ritual at night where you just check in at a certain time of night just to see if there's any new emails. And then you put your phone away and you don't respond to anything after that. Um, And then you do it again. Maybe it feels good to do it in the morning because I do know that couples are contacting us (laughs) 24-7. But that doesn't mean we have to, you know, uh, grab the phone at one o'clock in the morning and start answering emails back and, you know, waking up our partner or anything like that. But there is a way to be aggressive with your business in terms of being able to build it and also make sure that you're preserving that time and space. And I think one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves and when we're working with people that we care about is... If somebody's not in the mood to talk about it, to be able to give them the safety to say, listen, I can't do this right now. I need to be able to take a break, right? And to do that for yourself. So if your partner is coming at you and they insist on having a conversation, and if you're not emotionally up to it, to be able to say, I understand that this is an important thing that we need to discuss at this moment right now, I don't feel like I'm mentally there to be able to have a good conversation with you. So let's set up a time for us to both agree that we're going to come back and talk about it. When do you think would be good for you and your schedule? And, and I'll let you know if that works with mine. That's healthy communication. That happens in any time we have any kind of discomfort or you know disruption or whatever. Sometimes we force ourselves or we feel forced into having conversations when we're not in the right mindset to do it. And um, if you you know know a bit about me and a lot of the mental work that I do and the psychology with ourselves and with businesses, um, you know the reality is is that when we're not in a state of mind where we feel calm and relaxed, we're actually not using the part of our brain that actually thinks well. We end up using that advisor who's our fear-driven advisor or anger-driven advisor. And that can actually end up making matters worse instead of better. And so the final thing, like I said, I want to put into it is be able to have, um, you know, boundaries that are well communicated, um, safe words <laughs> if you want to use them, um, which is kind of like, you know, listen, this isn't the time. And, and also to be able to respect it when somebody says that back to you, that this isn't the time for me to have this conversation. I need a minute or I need a day or, you know, let me think about it for a bit before I give you an answer. Um, if you can practice those kinds of communication habits regularly, you'll be able to make this work. You'll be able to make sure that this doesn't overwhelm your personal life, that your personal relationships don't suffer because of the business. And, um, and also have some grace and expectation that it's not going to be perfect and that everyone's going to have moments in which we mess this up. You know, again, we're all humans here, but if you um, feel really good about doing this together, um, you know, you can actually end up making this work. I know how to not make it work, and that's why I teach people on how you can make it work. Um, And so if any of you have any questions or comments about this topic, um, like I said, a lot of my couples that I work with are couples. You know, I work with couples that are also wanting to do wedding venue businesses. So I know this is a big piece of the puzzle um, in the wedding venue industry and also in a lot of family businesses. And it can be tough to navigate, but it can be doable and it can be done while everybody survives and has fun at the same time. So um, let me know if you have any questions, send me an email, contact me if you'd like any help with all of this. 
And until next time, have some fun out there. Thank you for listening to Wedding Venue Business Radio. All of the information talked about in this episode can be found at weddingvenuebiz.com. There you'll also find links to the book, online courses, and a way to contact me if you have any suggestions for the show or are interested in business coaching. Until next time, have a great day.